0: Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. This show is intended for information purposes only, but we're not experts. We're just two guys within the Bitcoin community. Bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state. You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters.
1: Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast episode number 58. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, D.
2: And the last host, number three, Corey.
1: Uh, we got a lot of good feedback. Um, a huge response to the last episode. We broke records, all-time highs. It's been a good week, but um, I did want to address something that has been kind of getting under my skin to the guy who said... What's up with the ads? There are too many ads. I might as well listen to FM radio. Well, I got something to say to you because you're an imbecile. You're a buffoon. (laughs) Podcasts, they cost money, time and money. And you can crack open your fifth Dr. Pepper of the day and just hit play for free. You don't have to pay a cent. All right? Also, I want to address, secondly, it's just one ad. Or other podcasts, (laughs) they don't even start. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't even start to the double digits, all right? Yeah. Um, thirdly, I'm not even telling you what underwear to get or what mattress to sleep on. We handpicked a sponsor that we think could benefit you. So what I'm trying to say here is everything that we do here on the show, we have our listeners in mind, from from what topics to discuss to what guests we bring on. And the bottom line is that anyone who would email someone that they don't know and tell them something, to try to piss them off or hurt their feelings, is being a fuckhead. And if you don't like us, like I've said, that's fine and dandy, but only an asshole goes around insulting people for no reason. And to the few people who tipped us this week, thank you, because I think that you guys get it. that the The better that you get at this podcasting thing, the less it feeds the ego. So I don't even really think that our podcast is as much of an accomplishment as it is like a pursuit with no end. So we're just going to keep going and do what we do. And um, do you guys have anything to add? To-
2: yeah, I mean, at at some point, as you grow, and it's it's clear that we're growing just based on the numbers that I look at. You you you're gonna end up with assholes like people who listen to to you are going to be not only not like you, but be an asshole enough to write in and tell you that <coughs> they don't like you for terrible reasons, just because they want to tell you that they want to say something. They want to yeah. be a contrarian and cool, whatever. We're going to get that. We're going to get more of it. I, yeah, there are a lot I, of people out there that really enjoy the stuff that we do, and at the very base of it, we enjoy what we do. Hell yeah. We're I, doing it because we enjoy this stuff.
3: I'd like to say to him, the brand you'd like to use to groom your neck beard is Wall <laughs> or, <laughs> or Gillette. Gillette will no. serve you well. you got to let that cooling soothing really get in there all the nutrients
2: are you talking oh the the gel stuff right, yeah whatever. let's let's, stuff. Uh, let's 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 uh plug our one
1: our sponsor. one ad. <laughs> ad yeah um if you don't have time in your life for this ad you can fast forward like 25 seconds but if you want to stick around i will get into that right now uh We are proudly sponsored by escrowmybits.com. It's super fast. It's super easy. And it only takes you three steps. So what you do is you register and deposit your Bitcoin and the seller is going to ship the item. All right. And the buyer checks the goods, release the funds. And they also offer BitCrow escrow with a locked exchange rate. So euros, yen, no matter where you are, they got you covered. And they currently offer Bitcoin escrow on a chain peg to a fiat value Using new bits, which is the world's first stable digital currency, uh, your funds are kept in a secure two of three multi signature transaction where they only hold one of the keys. Uh, their goal is to make using escrow as simple as possible. We believe in it, that's why they're a sponsor on our show, and we tell you about it every week. So go to their website, sign up for the newsletter, stay up to date on all that good stuff. That's escrowmybits.com. Um, yeah, now, and
4: then literally,
1: go ahead.
2: it's bizarre buying sex swings because they sell that type of shit on open bazaar i oh, should that's right, probably that's right. escrow your shit with using escrow my bits
3: <laughs> yep i said it on the last episode if you're using open bazaar and you're using a, a service from someone that you don't know like don't have a history with and you don't use a moderator to moderate that transaction you're an idiot you deserve to have your shit stolen so basically like, hey stranger, let's do business. Oh, you took my money and you ran down the street? Ah, didn't see that coming. Like, That's, that's pretty much what you're doing. So,
1: anywho. Well, that's a rig- riggedy, Um, Corey showed me a video from 2015. I was like, oh shit, maybe, <laughs> maybe this Craig Wright guy is the real deal. And um, the reality could be we just deceitfully kicked out Satoshi's appointed successor, who worked tirelessly and unselfishly for years and made Bitcoin succeed, or he was just another fraud. And like Corey's been saying, like this, this shit could be a movie.
2: Dude, I've been following this pretty closely. It's it's in fucking sane. Like, it, there's no other way to put it. This is like I have I've never been a part of or followed something so close that is so deceptive elusive and complex with incredibly long backdating like personas in order to pull off like a long con or an incredibly deep alternative plan that we're not aware of yet in my entire life it's it's like okay Craig Wright is gone And he may or may not have gotten what he wanted to do. But this is definitely not over. We're going to see more of this. And Mm -hmm. it's going to continue to fold, like fold outwards into more and more of some weird elaborate scheme that is probably to do with either defaming key players in the Bitcoin community or gaining a certain amount of trust so that one could take advantage of it for money
3: it's always about money
2: but what's what's odd about <laughs> this is that i was watching videos from before all of this happened even the even in the december time when the first time he was allegedly coming out as satoshi and the way that he speaks is discusses a lot of the things that satoshi wrote about in the beginnings of Bitcoin and before he created it. So if he's not the level of study and, and like attributing energy into creating this persona and embodying these, these ideals is fucking astounding. So Greg so so Wright is. may not be a good cryptographer. He's proven at least that, he doesn't know what he's talking about in terms of the deep details of cryptography, or he's purposefully done so. And but if he's a con man, he's a very very good one.
1: Mm-hmm. Belanger <laughs> said that um, the Craig Wright debunking is Exhibit A for how blockchains prevent financial fraud. He said in a fiat world, he might have gotten the four hundred fifty million dollars.
2: Yeah, look at look at Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff got to what the NASDAQ or you know he he, he rose to power for a long period of time and fooled so many people. Uh mm. Craig Wright maybe fooled like four or five or six.
3: Not me. He didn't fool me, that's for damn sure. Well you not were butthurt
2: from the for you were from the very beginning when I'm not, I when I'm I put that hurt. I just <laughs> video I don't give on the a slot, damn. you're like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there is there is a certain amount of of weight and credit and history that goes along with if, if the true Satoshi comes out and and um, does a sufficient enough job of proving that he is Satoshi. Like, you know, moving coins from the Genesis block is necessary, but not sufficient. There are certain social aspects that he has to go through, certain, you know, things that he has to um, let people know that he's aware of. And tell stories about so that to prove that he, like sufficiently prove that he is Satoshi, where moving the coins from the Genesis block is only a part of it that's necessary. So if that were to come out and we were to be sufficiently proven that someone is Satoshi, then the deity that exists would be put to rest because so many people line up in throngs to put this idealism of what they want Bitcoin to be in the name of Satoshi, that would be put to rest, which is great. We can move forward and and progress could be made. And then we'd have a strong voice in the community that could help push progress in a Bitcoin community that's rather stagnant about certain things. So there are certain things that could happen if we had Satoshi back. But wouldn't I don't think Craig Wright's to fucking do that. Wouldn't that
3: centralize the leadership if Satoshi came back?
2: No, but it would it would go a long ways in helping centralize leadership. Because in my opinion, <clears throat> if Satoshi were to come back, he wouldn't Excuse want me. the leadership because of the reason why he left in the first place. Mm-hmm. He, she, it, they, whatever it is. like He didn't want to be a leader. I'm just saying he because we don't know what the hell it is. So, if he came back, he would only be a voice of reason with an opinion, but he would push for the people to 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 vote for this. What if that's uh, that's my personal opinion and what I project onto what I believe Satoshi to, Satoshi to be? I think Satoshi was IBM's Watson
3: moonlighting. Like he just got so tired of the <laughs> AI game. He was like, I've been being AI since the beginning. Since I beat that douchebag at chess. And then I beat these douches at Jeopardy. I just want to do something for myself. I'm gonna create Satoshi Nakamoto and make a currency. Why not? That's what, that's what Satoshi Nakamoto is. That's one theory. <laughs>
1: that's not a popular the, theory. <laughs> the big brains of Bitcoin. They still haven't written off Craig Wright though, so we don't we don't know, man. Well,
4: no,
2: I mean, there's there's Even definitely. Gavin. The 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 conspiracy theories are running rampant, but um, what's also quite interesting now that all of this is, I guess, coming to a head slash getting over the climax is over. Um, the the unity of the Bitcoin community, especially in the subreddits, is is quite drastic between both BTC and Bitcoin and everyone out there. Like the the how quick we were to come together to prove or disprove all of this was quite astonishing and a, a, a net positive I think for the community. It wasn't like well, somebody came it, I out. I think
1: it humbled like the big brains of Bitcoin. Like, I think it brought them down a peg and made them vulnerable because like well, that's everyone true, was, But, it,
2: but the, no one was quick to be like. Although people wanted to believe, everyone was skeptical. And they waited for the proof to happen, which happened very quickly. Every time he did something, it was immediately checked, Scrut- double-checked, cross-checked, scrutinized, to, scrutinized the, to the highest degree yeah. to make sure that it's the truth. And it wasn't the truth. And that got laid to rest really quickly, which says a lot about where we are as the a system. community and a technology.
1: And I, th- I think Gavin folded due to the community, not, not so much the evidence on Craig Wright. He
2: was, he was just sitting on butterflies and happy with himself. You could tell when he was talking about it in consensus, he was fucking giddy. He, yeah. he couldn't contain himself. He was almost like laughing and joking and jumping around like a 13-year-old girl. And, and he, was, he was excited, That's, and, as he should be, because it, would well, have, I- it could have been something that was you know, a great experience for him.
1: I mean, what would you do in his shoes? I mean, he believed that he had.
2: Same he believed based on what.
1: But he believed that he had evidence. But then, like you said, the community and further events led to everyone exerting monumental social pressure on him, saying that he's been scammed by a con artist. So, what would you do? Like, if you changed your mind immediately, you wouldn't be acting rationally. You'd simply just be folding under the pressure. So, I mean, did he do the right thing? Did he, I mean, he took a step back. And said, maybe you guys are right, but you're creating too much drama for me to think clearly. You know? Maybe I need to consider the evidence. Maybe uh Isn't that what he when did? all the drama dies down. <clears throat> well, it's not enough time. It just happened.
2: Then it, you happened say- over, it, it happened since we released the last episode this week. All of this stuff has happened yeah, within a week. A lot has happened. And if you were to spend a good portion of your life with all of this as the main center goal, and you've had this correspondence with somebody, and then this happens to you. We're talking about being Gavin. And then a day or two later, it's the exact opposite of what your entire reality was centered upon. You're going to have to take a step back and reanalyze what the fuck you think about reality. Mm-hmm. And If he's Satoshi,
3: he should be able to prove it, and he can't, so he's not. I mean, this is oh, just logic.
2: Vitalik did a really good job of, of just essentially saying it's not him because yeah. if it was him, he would prove it in the easiest way possible. There's
3: the good way and there's the noisy way. If you choose the noisy way, you most likely don't know how to prove something the good way. That's yeah. what he said in a nutshell. It's not verbatim. But he's totally right. There's a lot of wisdom in that little kid there, Vitalik. Call him a kid. Probably shouldn't. He's probably done well, you're i than, than him, But he's smarter than you. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I can. I can still call him a young whippersnapper as I look up to him because apparently he's tall. He's tall shit. So I'll say like, "Hey, looking forward to the movie."
2: Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to this movie because in ten years from now, this is going to be turned into a movie because the intrigue, the drama, the deception, the like, the con artistry, the Mm -hmm. possible, like the the small glint of a like, you know, of a backstory where all of this was planned and premeditated and all that type of stuff is still there and all of these things that could possibly unfold in the future i'm i'm excited to watch the movie and i don't know who's gonna play the lead role old shia is gonna play gavin
0: Uh, who
3: old shia shia will be a
2: little bit older now probably have a little belly on him shia
3: shia labeouf what the hell man
2: oh okay I guess, yeah, considering uh, Imen, uh, you know, Dr. Sarir <laughs> said this is essentially like the weird, I forget what the, the type of meta modernistic, meta modernistic mm-hmm. play that Shia LaBeouf has, has, has made most popular. Yep.
3: Shia LaBeouf is going to play Gavin in 10 years from now. We call that. All Who right. gets to play Vitalik?
1: Um oh, DJ Qualls.
3: Oh, that's perfect. No, <laughs> DJ
2: Qualls is gonna be too old by then.
3: Yeah, but that's that dude true. doesn't age. Look he he looks exactly the same in it's Road Trip? And Road Trip <laughs> as he does in that movie where it's like hard out here for a pimp. What movie is that?
2: I don't know what movie that is. What movie is that? Uh, hustle hustle, hustle and, flow. and
3: Flow. Yeah, we're where 36 Mafia, aka 666 Mafia, got a Grammy. Let's just let that soak in.
1: DJ going is be 40 years old soon.
3: So everybody's getting old. Yep. Um. So, a lot went down besides Craig Wright. I mean, I, for one, you guys know my stance. As soon as it happened, there were links flying around in the Slack, the Craig Wright's name is everywhere, and I'm just sitting butthurt in my own little corner like, why the fuck does everyone care? <laughs> like, who gives a damn? But I'm way outnumbered on that, so I'll just stay in my corner until I'm not outnumbered anymore.
2: Road Trip was made in year 2000. Really? Yeah. Trying to get to- that the 15th anniversary.
3: Ago. Did you have to
2: put a date on it? Holy damn. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ultimately it doesn't matter who Satoshi is, but he, if he were to come out and be back into the community, it makes a difference. Like we don't need him. Bitcoin isn't necessary with, with, with him, but if he comes back, he'll play an important role. I see. I, I can get that. I can get that's 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 all I'm saying and how he comes back and what role he plays will be important and so it'll be the third act of the movie it's also incredibly important as to how the community vets the person that comes out and accepts him did people
3: honestly let's get superficial did people not believe Craig Wright because he looks nothing like a Satoshi I look at him, and I'm like, this guy just looks like a henchman from fucking
2: Shredder. He looks like a Bond villain. He looks definitely like a Bond villain. I like that he, he's, he constantly says how much he doesn't want to be in the limelight, yet every picture <laughs> that I've seen of him has been professionally taken with you know mocked photos, and, and he's dressed nicely. You look, you look at the pictures of the, of the people committing code. Those motherfuckers are not professional looking. They're writing code and they're writing it hard. This dude is like posing in front of giant computer screens with random shit on the back of the computer screen with you know just some code on the on, on the other one and all this nonsense. Dude, it's, he, it's ridiculous. I was so depressed when my
3: tweet about Cobra Commander didn't get any traction, but this was a Cobra Commander move. <laughs> dude comes out of his secret lair and he's like Cobra la, la la, and everybody's like, Dude, get the fuck out of here! And then he leaves the scene. Tuck and tail. Damn you, hey man. And he's guaranteed to come back for more. Like, oh, those Joes spoiled my plans again. And then, like, (laughs) (laughs) and three months down the line, he's going to come back with a new helicopter. (laughs) Like, I'm back on the scene, (laughs) Cole.
4: And
3: the community's going to shoot him down again. Anyways, there's other things that happened, guys. Gemini, New York, the state. Oh, we had of to New talk
2: York. about it. We had to talk about it.
3: We had to well, talk about it. Let's
2: do the interview yeah, first. Let's talk, it. Let's talk about the interview.
3: Okay.
1: Let's get that intro going, show. Uh, so, someone wrote to the show and said that you should interview Trace Mayer. So, we were like, okay. Eric. So, we emailed Trace Mayer.
2: Eric. Uh, Thanks for writing into the show. We got
1: what you wanted. Thank you, Eric. We got what you wanted. You got And, um,. Trace Mayer is, uh, he's kind of notable because he was going around telling people about Bitcoin when it was just worth a quarter. Sounds so notable. he's kind of notable and he's one of the first uh, popular bloggers to uh, publicly recommend blockchain technology and he hosts a uh, Bitcoin knowledge podcast. So podcasters assemble. We got him on the show. We talked to him about some stuff.
2: He's a cool dude. Really yeah. enjoyed talking to him.
3: Cool guy. It was a great conversation and then uh, I like talking to Bitcoin evangelists I think that evangelists has kind of transitioned into the word maximalist but I don't think so I think those are two totally different things but he it's it's pleasant talking to someone who is a bitcoin number 1 fan like I think I am like hey bitcoin is the shit and these are the reasons why And don't let anything deter you and then drop the mic and walk away and it was pleasant to have that conversation. So, without further ado, we give you Trace Meyer from the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Uh, here it is. All right. So, Trace Meyer, you're a bona fide blockchain legend, uh, which means that you've seen the promise of Bitcoin since almost the beginning. Uh, Could you tell us uh, how you were introduced to Bitcoin and how you knew it was going to change the future of finance and monetary systems?
0: Man, that's a pretty complicated question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right up front. And uh, we, you know, a lot of us, we don't talk too much about all those early days other than, you know, we found it on the internet. (laughs) We were reading a a cryptography mailing list, right? Um, And so... You know, I, I learned about Bitcoin very early. I became one of the uh, first real evangelists for it. Uh, so, you know, I think my first YouTube was January of 2011. It was around mm. a quarter at the time. And, and I'd even been talking about it uh, uh, a little bit before that in in text and whatnot. And so, yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of the ups and downs. Uh, interesting little fact: The... Uh, where I grew up that 's where the the ten thousand bitcoin pizza transaction happened is mm-hmm. like the town ta- the town I grew up in so <laughs> it's kind of kind of crazy to think of uh, you know the, these bitcoins were like less than a penny f- you know for over a year in trading and so i've seen a lot of the ups and downs i've seen uh, you know mount gox i've seen uh, The funding of pretty much all of our infrastructure, you know, after I started talking about it in real early 2011, uh, that's when it ran up to $32 in the bubble. And out of that, you know, we funded BitPay. uh, I, I helped fund BitPay. Then coinbase also got funded i 'm not an investor in coinbase, but you know it 's just kind of really interesting to see what 's come out of those companies because you know those companies helped you know really ramp up the next the next run up and that was the infrastructure when it ran to two hundred sixty six and then that led to a bunch of venture capital investment and then we had the the run up to uh, you know twelve hundred dollars and that spurred a whole nother batch of Serious venture investment, I mean BitPay we raised one hundred and fifty million valuation coinbase was raised at like a four hundred million valuation circle it bit uh, you know I think we 've raised over one point five billion dollars now as an industry, mm-hmm. and that's you know that 's putting down roads and sewers and electricity like this is a serious uh, serious undertaking that's that 's happening and it looks like we're getting ready for another another big run, you know, because we, I, I've been not just the run up in price, but the crashes. You know, thirty two dollars it crashed to less than two dollars, and mm-hmm. then it ran to two sixty six, and it crashed to sixty, and then it ran to twelve hundred, and it crashed to two hundred, and it looks like we're getting ready to run again in uh, twenty sixteen. I mean, the price has already doubled in the last uh, the last year, so. You know, it's it's kind of fun to chase the rabbit, ride the roller coaster, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're building everything out. We're making stuff more useful. And that's really kind of the story of Bitcoin. It it keeps getting more and more useful, more and more used, more and more network effects, and the companies get stronger and more professional. And so it's really exciting.
2: That's That's something actually we talk about quite a bit is the development of infrastructure being the real... I guess foundation of of value in how Bitcoin's been doing, and since and you've been around when it was just cyberpunks playing with this idea of what money could be, and you've seen the industry, that like all the development of the industry for so long. What is the most exciting development you've seen so far, and where might you see it going in the future? Like, how do you see this foundation being built?
0: Well, I suppose the most exciting part is just the sheer amount of people that are in the community now. I mean, think about it. When that pizza transaction happened with my neighbor, uh, you know, 10,000 Bitcoins for pizza, and it was a guy from, I think, Europe who sent the Bitcoins. I mean, the Bitcoin community was very, very small at that point in time. And now we we average, what, 200,000 transactions per day, paying over $20,000 a day on average in transaction fees? I mean, that's real money that people are using to spending to use the system. And so that's really exciting. That means that we've got a lot of people with a vested interest in Bitcoin that want to see it succeed, that are building companies, that are working on infrastructure, they're writing code, uh, and and they're beginning to apply Bitcoin in so many different ways. You know, currency is just the the most simple abstraction of how to use Bitcoin. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of like... Gold, you know, gold as money is a pretty uh, well. Actually, we humanity used gold for for other purposes before it used it as money. Uh, but you know, we've got all these different use cases for gold. So likewise, we're going to have so many different use cases for Bitcoin, and it's really exciting to see some of those happen. Things like Blockstack, uh, things like. Um, Colored Coins Projects, Uh, Eric Jennings at uh, Filament working on Internet of Things solutions, Uh, Wayne Vaughn over at Tyrion working on, uh, you know, notary-type services. I mean, all this stuff is just absolutely fascinating. Uh, And then we've got both merchants, merchant processors, the pay out in bitcoin or help mer- help merchants take bitcoin but now they're starting to actually pay out in bitcoin and so steam for example started accepting bitcoin but pretty soon they might be able to pay out in bitcoins also they're and that brings that <laughs> yeah isn't that really cool and that brings so many more people into the bitcoin ecosystem and once people start getting paid in bitcoin i think we're going to see a completely other ramp in terms of uh, user adoption and everything. Cause right now it's been mostly the fur, you know, I talk about seven different network effects, seven reasons people hire Bitcoin. Uh, the first network effect being this, uh, currency app, speculation. And once you have, you, once you have Bitcoin and you're speculating on it, merchants will start accepting it. But once, once consumers, you know, start using it or once you start getting paid in Bitcoin, you're starting to close the loop. And that gets to be really cool cause it, it it just keeps so much more oxygen like on the fire.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I like that metaphor. Keep the
1: flames going.
0: Yeah, and you know, that's another thing is, you know, when we when we take the, you know, to continue the metaphor a little bit further, when we when people start an altcoin for example and they take like a log out of the bitcoin fire and they go off with their little with their little altcoin or whatever, uh you know it's really hard to keep that heat and that combustion happening uh, for them, you know because there's such a critical mass in the bitcoin project um and so you know I just kind of encourage people you know feel free to work on your own projects and everything, but understand that like you want to be close to the core of Bitcoin, you want to be close to that fire uh because there's just so much creative and innovative uh, work that's going on and happening and it's adding a lot of value to the world and people are paying to use the bitcoin uh, network with their transaction fees and and that proves that it's adding value
4: Mm -hmm.
3: oh and um, so i was just going to say congratulations i know bitpay i believe is the one that locked the partnership with steam
0: uh, yeah, so. but, I mean, BitPay, BitPay, <laughs> lots of <laughs> partnerships with pretty much all of them, right? <laughs> yeah, BitPay is really just cornering yeah. everyone. So Yeah, they're knocking it out of the park. They're, they're really doing a good job. Oh.
3: You can go ahead, Charlie. So we're,
0: if,
1: if we continue putting logs on the fire, like you say, or what do you say to people that are trying to separate Bitcoin and the blockchain? Do, do you think this is like just like a moot practice for them? Or how do you think blockchain can improve their services?
0: Uh, well, I I don't know if they really understand, uh, what's going on. (laughs) I mean, it it makes me kind of chuckle. But, uh, you know, the other thing is a lot of people don't understand economics. Um, you know, and, and, and our, our higher level institutions, you know, our colleges and universities, they have a bunch of people that are teaching. Uh, they, they call it economics, but really it's just political dogmatism. It's not the actual science of economics. It's not praxeology. And, you know, it would be like in the middle ages, you had a bunch of political dogmatists that taught that the sun revolved around the earth, you know, and Mm -hmm. hey, they're the doctor of, of astronomy, right? Um, well they weren 't actually teaching science; they were teaching political dogma, and then somebody like you know sh- shaped some glass a particular way, and next thing you knew, you could look in the telescope yourself and see uh, what the you know we've got we 've now got empirical evidence you know so science is uh, uh, theory you know theory logic data and Uh, So we've got a real problem. So many people don't understand economics. They don't understand praxeology. It's not taught in the universities. The, The people that are the doctors of economics in the universities are actually just political dogmatists, and they haven't even read human action. They haven't read man, economy, and state. They haven't read Mises and Rothbard and Hayek and Minger. And as a result... They don't understand how economics actually works, and, it's, you know, and so when we have bailouts and bail-ins and financial crises and all this stuff, they can't tell you why it's happening. Whereas, you know, you, if you're looking at the world and you're looking at economics through the lens of the Austrian view, uh, you're able to see a lot of these things and likewise you can see embedded in the white paper embedded in a lot of the ways that bitcoin functions and is set up you can see that this the, the fingerprints of the austrian school of economics there and so when people want to like separate bitcoin and blockchain it's like <laughs> yeah have fun with that because <laughs> if you if you understand the economics you understand that that's a fool's errand uh, it, I mean, it's not going to work. It's uh, and and the people proposing it, they most likely don't even understand basic things like the law of gravity. Uh, they don't understand praxeology. They're pro- you know they're probably econometricians or something at, at the best, and completely <laughs> ignorant at the worst. And either way, they're they're you know they'll they'll have a fun little science project. They'll waste a lot of investor money, and meanwhile. Uh, you know, Bitcoin will be humming along because we've got a very strong set of uh, core developers uh, in Bitcoin that are building out a lot of code and and who are also fairly well-versed in the Austrian School of Economics and they have uh, been working on digital currencies. Uh, it's been their holy grail for decades, you know, anonymous digital cash and things like this. And so... Um, you know, these people working on blockchain and trying to separate it from a, from a, a, a token that helps secure the network, um, that, you know, they'll be back working on our protocol because it's the only one that can set up the incentives correctly. Hmm.
2: So speaking of, I guess,
0: economics and human ignorance and the way
2: social people work with money... Uh, do you see just an inevitable cycle of boom and busts? Like, do you see is this something that's going to continue on forever, or do you think we only have a few left? Like, what's your views
0: on, I guess, how Bitcoin's evaluation changes over time? Yeah, I mean, I could see I could see us having a lot of these booms and busts. Uh, so much of it has to do with subjective value theory. Uh, so much of it has to do with, you know, the marginal preference of goods. You know, do you do you prefer your one extra Bitcoin or do you prefer your one extra car or private jet or yacht or whatever? Uh, and then we then we get uh, interest rates tied in with this. And particularly with, with the Lightning Network, I, a thing that a lot of people haven't really talked about is how you're you're going to be able to up Bitcoin in the Lightning Network, but actually earn money on it, but not have to take any risk. And so, you know, now now we've got a different way of calculating a risk-free return. Uh, and Bitcoin, like gold, is nobody's liability. It's not subject to counterparty risk when you hold it yourself. You're you're not even uh, subject to uh, performance risk. You know that the Bailey or that the warehouse holder will actually perform their contract and give you your gold back. Uh, so, you know, all of these things really change change how we have to look at all the other assets that are out there in the world you know uh, Eric Voorhees says, says you know some people have asked him like when are you going to cash out of Bitcoin and he's like no you don't understand I've already cashed out of the current system <laughs> and uh, you know people who have a lot of money in retirement accounts and things like that, they should kind of take that warning uh, with some seriousness because with quantitative easing, negative interest rates, zero interest rate policy, all these bailouts and bail-ins with fiat currency, legal tender laws, all of this stuff has so warped our ability to perform economic calculation and to... to to have value and price be meaningful. And And currently, they're not meaningful. We have no way to perform economic calculation because the central banks have interfered with the pricing mechanism to such a degree. And as a result of that, we have misallocated trillions and trillions of dollars of capital. And the wealth was destroyed when we misallocated it. And you know, with the government suppressing the interest rates that 's pulling production from the future into the present, uh, which is which is resulting in a lot of this wealth being destroyed and so what hasn 't happened yet is is that people and institutions and organizations haven 't marked to market their investments they haven 't recognized those losses yet. Uh, but the time will come when they will recognize those losses. You know, when people line up and, uh, to get their money out of a Cy- Cypriot bank or out of a Greek bank or out of an Italian bank or out of a Spanish bank, uh, you know, that's when people learn like, oh, you know, I had digits. They had a particular purchasing power, but now they don't. And that's what's going to happen. You know, people are, think they have Amazon shares in their 401k or their Roth IRA. They think they have Walmart shares in their E-Trade account. But guess what? They might not actually be there. You don't understand how the financial system works, how the DTCC works, how Seed and Company, how all of the, how failure to deliver, naked short selling, all this counterparty risk. You know, eventually, eventually the music stops, eventually made off can't meet redemptions anymore and that's when people you know decide oh well guess what I have to market to market and take a giant loss and that's what's coming down the pipeline and Bitcoin helps enable a change in who who has ownership and custody and dominion and power and control over assets because you literally hold the private keys to your own wealth and it's the first time in history that we've had a commodity that we've been able to reduce the value and to data itself and then be able to transfer that data over a communications channel, you know, something like a fiber optic line or, or radio wave or, or microwave. And so it's, it's very exciting, but it's also very, very innovative and transformative at the very most basic layers of all of our human action.
4: Hmm. I
3: like how when you were talking about the subjective value theory, you threw out uh, one more Bitcoin or one more yacht as you're, <laughs> to options of where people place their value well i mean I like it that. could
0: get it could get really crazy because if you take just one percent of the uh, th- there's 30 trillion dollars held in offshore tax haven bank accounts you take just mm-hmm. one you take just one percent of that and you're look, and, and and make that bitcoin's market cap you're looking at 2.8 million dollars for bitcoin I mean, and and when we start talking about corporations using this for their treasury balance to pay, you know, employees and to receive payments and so they have to hold some, on their, some cash on their balance sheet. I mean, Apple's got, what, $150 billion of cash on its balance sheet? Google's mm-hmm. got how much? I mean, imagine if they were holding all that cash not in dollars, not in euros, but in Bitcoin, you know, because mm-hmm. that's where Bitcoin belongs on the balance sheet. Uh, I mean, it, it just gets really kind of crazy hmm. in terms of the types of numbers that we could be looking at. I mean, like, I legitimately think that, and I was the first person to come out with a $2.8 million per Bitcoin, uh, and then Rick Falkbean came out, I think, a week later with a... Two to $5 million upper bound on the price, but I actually think the bound could be even higher. I think it could be legitimately up around $10 million per Bitcoin. Now, will we actually see that? I don't know. Uh, we have a, you know, the current system has to, you know, shake itself to pieces. We have to build the infrastructure for a new system. The market tends to reward the solutions, and gold, you know, while... It is a solution. It doesn't actually innovate anything. It doesn't actually add any additional value besides just the protection. Uh, Bitcoin, we can keep extensifying it. We can keep building it to do more and more cool things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a solution. Uh, and and a solution that we can continue to innovate to create even more solutions. And so in that in that regard, like why does gold have a seven trillion dollar market cap and Bitcoin have a seven billion dollar market cap? Mm-hmm. I mean, Bitcoins would be forty thousand dollars a coin more or less if they had the same market cap as gold.
3: I, I really feel like there's a marriage between Bitcoin and gold that should take place. Uh, services like Big Gold, services like Voltoro that actually kind of bring that ancient, you know, value of gold into the future and if you marry bitcoin with gold, I mean, why couldn't more bitcoin be an abstraction of the value of gold? So, I mean, that's what I Yeah, personally. I mean,
0: I Yeah, I mean, I I I love gold, you know, my I, before I was uh, talking about Bitcoin, I was running a, a blog called run dot com. Uh, so, you know, I've been a big uh, gold proponent because it, it was the correct answer. When I started my blog in early 2008, it was the correct answer to this uh, intractable problem that our world financial and monetary and currency systems have. Uh, gold was the answer. Bitcoin could possibly be an answer. Uh, right now the market doesn't think so. That's why it only has a $7 billion market cap. But, you know, as Satoshi wrote in the early days, you know, it might possibly become something. So maybe we should just get some of it, uh, you know, while it's fairly cheap. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, and that's how it starts. That's the first network effect speculation, you know, and then, and that, and that's the first route. Uh, but then we start putting down roots for all the other network effects.
2: Yeah, I definitely see like the 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 pegging to gold has become more of a a foot in the door phenomenon of allowing people to be at ease with how it works and where it's tied to, and then as later on as the infrastructure grows, people get much more comfortable with just Bitcoin itself because it still provides everything they want, and they're now comfortable with it.
0: Yeah, and then people begin uh, allocating more into Bitcoin and less into gold. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I, I had lunch yesterday with a reporter at The Wall Street Journal and we were talking about this very point, you know people allocating uh, parts of their portfolio away from gold and into Bitcoin because it, it provides the same safe haven part or uh, on, the, on the balance sheet. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. not confiscatable. It's portable, divisible. Uh, it doesn't have smell, hopefully, <laughs> uh, <laughs> as the Swiss say. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I see more and more people acquiring more and more Bitcoin for this particular use case. And it's just the most basic of use cases for Bitcoin. Absolutely. So I
3: guess to, uh, to switch gears a little bit, um, talk about your podcast you run a podcast just like us uh the the bitcoin knowledge podcast and it's one of the best just like ours we believe
0: Uh, (laughs) and well well, there aren't very many of us right i think there's uh there's only about five five podcasts in the bitcoin space right
1: now what happened to all of them there's a lot of copycats coming up
0: yeah. yeah i mean yeah i guess there are a lot of copycats i mean there's uh Let's see theres let's talk Bitcoin. I, I helped Andreas and Adam kind of start that up. There's mine. there's epicenter Bitcoin uh, Bitcoin.com's got a new one with like five episodes so far. Your Bitcoin, of us prior to have us done. inviting you what, what was that? Have you heard gotcha. of us prior to us inviting you? Oh, yeah, I've listened to a couple of the episodes uh, on yours also. Nice. Um, yeah, particularly like the Airbits episodes. so um, yeah, I mean, it, and it's it's exciting, you know, because we got a couple million people probably in the Bitcoin community, and it's fun to talk about it. Everybody likes drama, right? Mm, definitely. <laughs> there is a lot. Gossip
2: uh, girls. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So
3: I guess we've become, we are media outlets. There's no, we've become, we, we are a source people can either go to or help people get to where they're going. And I guess where my question is going is, are you f- as frustrated with us, with the mainstream media, uh, about their lack of effort in reporting positive Bitcoin news? It seems like they're really quick to say, ah, Bitcoin crashed $50, told you it sucked. <laughs> and they're really quick to say things like, ha, ah, this guy deleted his app data folder on his computer and he lost all of his Bitcoin, told you it sucked
0: he put his he put his broken laptop in the landfill and it had 8 million dollars of bitcoin on it and now it's gone um, and it's gone uh no i think it's just a sign of the times uh there we're in the fourth turning i don't know if you've read that book uh but we're in the fourth turning a, a big characteristic of the fourth turning of of that particular type of time is that you lose trust in institutions and so the mainstream media has like a six percent trust or approval rating i mean that's lower than congress and congress has like eight percent right and so i mean are bernie (laughs) sanders bernie sanders and donald trump is it any is it any surprise that it would be anti-establishment candidates that are getting the most votes Right. Yeah. Uh, because people are just so mad and they're so frustrated at being lied to and s- just screwed by the institutions and organizations, whether it's government, whether it's big business, whether it's media, all of this stuff. And so, you know, we've got that and and all of the media is compromised, uh, you know, Operation Mockingbird, where the CIA has placed lar- has placed uh, high ranking uh, you know, officials at the the media, in the media outlets to control the narrative and control public opinion. So, I mean, and that's one of the reasons, you know, why there's not a lot of trust in them is because people know and understand that they're just propaganda pieces for the state under Operation Mockingbird. So you've got that problem, uh, but then you couple it with the, the decentralization that's happened to the media as a result of the internet. You know, instead of, having to get your voice out via a radio station, now everybody can do it via podcast or via a blog, you know, instead of a newspaper, or via a YouTube channel, instead of uh, having to have a TV station. And I think that that's really exciting because then you get you get the media, the media has to serve their audience, otherwise their audience is going to go to somebody else who serves them, right? And and so the mainstream media. This is a big problem that they've got. Is that their audience doesn't trust them? Why? Because the mainstream media doesn't serve their audience. They serve the CIA, right? And they serve they serve the state, and they push that propaganda forward. They they tow that party line, and uh, and so I think it's really exciting because. Um, you know the people who do build a voice who do build their podcasts or do build their blogs or do build these things uh you know they they begin to acquire audiences and those audiences trust them uh, if they're trustworthy and if they're not they'll go somewhere else and go listen to somebody else who is trustworthy and so it's becoming so much more competitive and and that's exciting because you know the government has never been good at doing anything it's never been good at building roads it's never been good at uh delivering the mail. It's never been good at and it's never been good at name something that it's good at besides torturing and stabbing and gassing and killing and and otherwise incinerating its its population or somebody else's, right? It's a really guess, good
2: Rube Goldberg project. Yeah,
0: yeah. Exactly. So it's so it never really been good at anything. And now it's just getting so much more competitive. Uh, the economy is getting more competitive, and it's also getting more complicated. And so being able to distribute knowledge, you have to have tools to perform this economic calculation to distribute knowledge. And the state doesn't have those tools to use because it, you know, it only relies on force or violence. Uh, and and it, you know, it's crumbling right before our eyes. It's evaporating. You know, it, it's really quite amazing to watch. I mean, things that used to take decades—I uh, mean—are just <laughs> happening so fast. Uh, it's good I mean, at, they, uh,
3: it's yeah, good it, at
0: not being good. Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. If you want something it, done badly? Then give it to the government. Mm-hmm. I guess, like uh, healthcare.gov, that was a massive yeah. failure. It spent, spent
0: like $2 billion on health card. You know, another, another example is, uh, hey, do you know the story of the Woolman skating rink in New York City? No, but I want to. Okay, so this is really cool. So New York City spent $27 million, right, on this skating rink. It's an ice skating rink. And eight years. It better be. And the ice skating rink, it was lopsided. So it couldn't even open. It wasn't even functional. And in order to make the ice on it, they're putting down copper tubing. And so they put down like five miles of copper tubing. And if you just got one little pinprick in the copper tubing, you'd have to take up all five miles of it. Right, which is why they lost the $27 million because, you know, everybody was stealing the copper tubing too. And so Donald Trump... Donald Trump made a big stink of this like in the press, right? And eventually, he kind of made it so painful for Mayor uh, Ed Koch that he got, he got awarded the job to build this skating rink. And so he built the skating rink, and he didn't get to make any profit building the skating rink, and he, uh, he didn't get to operate it and make a profit operating it. He built the skating rink in eight months, for under a million dollars. He came in early and under budget, right? And he said it was pretty easy, you know. I just went to the Canadians, you know, the the Canadians, they know how to build ice. They build it for the ice for the ice hockey, you know, whereas the the city had hired like some firm from Miami. I mean, who's going to buy ice from Miami, right? That doesn't make any sense. But I <laughs> but I thought it like it gave a good insight into Trump's psyche and his psyche was because a reporter asked him like, you know, why do you do this? You didn't get to make any money doing it. And he was like, you know what? I wanted to take my daughter ice skating and there wasn't anywhere to go. So I built it. (laughs) Like, bam. That's pretty funny and simple. Yeah, it's, it's really funny. But isn't that the story of the millennials, right? We have been, like the millennials have been totally screwed by the baby boomers. We've, we're, we're, like when my dad graduated from college, he was earning 25.7 ounces of gold per month from his job straight out of college. That would be $500,000 today you know. if we earn 25.7 ounces of gold a month. Instead, we're earning about two and a half ounces of gold per month for the average college graduate. Okay? So millennials are being screwed economically. We're being screwed politically. And we're now the largest generation. There are more millennials than there are baby boomers. And guess what, guess what the millennials have to do? We have to build our skating rinks. We have to rebuild everything because they have screwed everything up so bad for so long. And it's all going to collapse. And all of us know it. You know, all of us millennials know it. And so why should we be in their system? You know, why should we be using their currency? Why should we be in their system? Why, sh- why, sh- why should we be working their jobs? You know, all of that, like, it's an old, crumbling, dying system. We have to build the future, you know, if we want a skating rink. You know, otherwise, you know, I guess we can just, you know, not have a skating rink, not have anything cool. Mm. I mean, that, that's kind of the, the and, and I think that's what, you know, that's part of the hope that Bitcoin holds out is like, you want a future? Come and claim it. You know, build it out. Add the value. Create the solution. I like getting evangelists on the show. I get so funny.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, so- I want to go yell at random so, people uh, in the grocery
0: store right now. Well, <laughs> like, I mean, so- somebody. Do some- I mean, if we want cool stuff, guess what? We're going to have to build it. because absolutely. Because of the baby boomers, they're checking out. They're checking out. They're checking out and they're collecting social security checks yeah ten thousand of them every single day starting to collect social security checks they're a giant sucking sound on the economy
3: <laughs> yeah it is fascinating, and it's even more fascinating when you i've had several conversations with baby boomers about bitcoin, and it is such a it is such a foreign concept to them that eventually it always comes to well, fuck it. Like, that's, that's what it always gets to. <laughs> There's never even trying to understand. They just well, say, oh, forget
0: it. And part so. of that's really exciting because guess what? When, when all of this, as, as everything's collapsing, right? Like, Bitcoin is a sterile asset, just like gold is. And so when Bitcoin's price goes up relative to other assets, for the most part, it's a wealth transfer. Okay. It means that wealth that was in some other asset gets transferred to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So all these baby boomers got like all this money in their pensions and retirement accounts and all this stuff, right? Guess what? If we build Bitcoin out and make it so very useful, guess what happens? The money that's in their retirement accounts gets transferred to Bitcoin. Isn't that exciting? It's very exciting. (laughs) And isn't it kind of what they deserve too? So, so if you're
3: listening right now, go set yeah. up
0: those auto purchases. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why, why buy, why, why keep putting money into the housing market or into the stock market? I mean, think about it. They gotta sell stocks every month to fund their retirement. They're not, you know, they have to sell their houses and move into their like wheelchair communities, right? Absolutely. Sorry, Cello. <laughs> I mean, why, why, why buy houses? I mean, this is not necessarily the time to buy a house, you know, but
1: whatever. So, so Trace, so do you believe that 21 million Bitcoins may be insufficient to carry the needs of the, of the world's daily float? Or like you said, should consumers support this, uh, this, uh, limited growth mechanism, which will lead to controlled inflation, which some, you know, economists think it's, it's vital to a thriving and growing economy. What do you think?
0: I think the limited amount of bitcoins is just fine. Uh, it's just a function of price, you know. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, in in terms of transferring value over a communications channel, it does that job equally as well at a nickel as it does at ten thousand dollars a bitcoin or at a hundred thousand dollars a bitcoin. So the limited in amountness of bitcoin, uh, you know, that doesn't really matter um, in terms of you know, whether a consumer wants to adopt it or not. It matters tremendously for speculators to hold it. Because speculators want to know that, that that they're not going to just get quantitatively eased, uh, just like they are with the with the you know, the Japanese yen or the Yellen coin or the Draghi coin or any of these other fiat currencies which are headed to the fiat currency graveyard because that's what happens. You know, you don't limit it in an amount, then it just goes poof because it gets abused. And then the con gets revealed and the confidence is lost. Mm-hmm. The
1: fiat graveyard.
0: I love that. Yeah. And there, how <laughs> many current, how many currencies are in the graveyard? Thousands of them. Thousands. Thousands. Of them. Yep. You know, it's getting I worse mean, every day. Give me an example of one that isn't, you know, or won't be. I mean, they will all end up there eventually. It's just a matter of time, you know, which which makes me wonder, like, is Bitcoin going to ever end up in the in the in the graveyard? I don't know. You know, it's been it's been seven years now and Bitcoin has never been worth nothing. You know, kind of like gold. Gold's never been worth nothing for thousands of years. You know, Bitcoin's only 7 years down the road. It is internet years, so it's kind of like dog years, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's maybe like 50 years uh compared to gold's like thousands and thousands of years. But, you know, it does make me wonder, but I I really don't think so. I don't see any threat to Bitcoin whatsoever. Um I like there was there was a lot more risk like 5, 6 years ago than there is today. Sweet. I feel so much better about my future. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well hey you know we millennials we got to have something to look forward to right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's what happens you know after winter comes spring and then summer you know and so we're in winter right now we got another 10 years of it then we'll have a 20 year spring and then we'll have a 20 year summer and you know that's who knows what 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 the world could look like you know and give it another 50 years or so, 40 years, uh, you know, Bitcoins could be just tremendous, uh, you know, and, and it could be boats and yachts that we're talking about. That'd be nice. <laughs> hey, Trace, uh, I think I speak
1: for my, my host. Uh, when well, we said we had you on there because we, we really respect you just kind of as a, as a Bitcoin advocate. So, um, we were curious to know, um, kind of who do you who do you look up to in the bitcoin space and and actually i i kind of read something where you where you kind of voiced your opinion on on big players like brian armstrong and and other vocal defenders where you said they kind of have a cavalier attitude that and they kind of aren't doing right by bitcoin so i wanted to know who you know in your opinion who's doing it right who should we be listening to who should we be paying attention to
0: um well so i mean if we start at the core if we start in the Technical development, I'd say Dr. Peter Woola. He's written so much code for Bitcoin. You know, the, the most complicated code. The, he's really optimized uh, the software. Um, he came up with LibSec 256 PK1. Uh, like, you know, so, so we've got him, we've got Eric Lombroso, Jonas Schnelli, uh Gregory Maxwell. Dr. Adam Back is just absolutely legendary. I, I Peter Todd is really funny. Like, so Peter Todd, when he was, I think, 16, he was actually on, he was asking Adam Back questions on the, on the cryptography mailing list, right? So, you know, a lot of us were young, younglings to, to master Adam Back, right? <laughs> kind of like Yoda, um, <laughs> You know, then we've got people like Bram Cohen, who invented BitTorrent. You know, he's working full-time on Bitcoin stuff now, helping solve some of these hard problems. Uh, Rusty Russell, uh, an absolute legendary uh, Linux routing-type developer. Uh, so we've got a lot of that. Then, you know, in terms of our companies, we've got uh, Stephen Pear over at BitPay. We've got, um, you know, we've got Jesse Powell at Kraken. uh I like Fred Ursum, uh Brian Armstrong. <laughs> <laughs> I I wonder what he's like why he's taking some of the t- track that he does, you know? Cuz if if you're going to be uh if you're going to, you know, have a very influential kind of or a very high profile position like that, uh I don't think being gossipy is necessarily the best thing to do which seems to be uh what he's been doing and it, and it shakes a lot of confidence you know because when he put out the tweet about running bitcoin classic in production um i made sure i had all my bitcoins uh out of coinbase you know i i made sure that i didn't have a single one in there because who knows what what could happen and there's nothing in there in their, from what I understand, there's nothing in the terms and conditions about how they would treat it, uh, you know, and whether like what's what would happen, like who would get the extra coins in the event of a fork. I mean, there are a lot of these kind of legal issues around, you know, what he was talking about and advocating that would impact his company. Uh, particularly as a custodian slash fiduciary, and I think it 's really really serious how we how we treat people 's assets you know if if somebody 's going to run a company and be a custodian of millions and millions and millions of dollars of people 's funds uh, I think you know it 's very important to take that extremely seriously, and so you know I kind of you know having having kind of a cavalier attitude is I just you know it kind of rubs me the wrong way additionally you know one of my one of my friends um, he he was doing his taxes and he he couldn't find fifty bitcoins you know he he'd been tracing all his ach ach transfers and like all his account history and like all this type of stuff and he couldn't find fifty bitcoins and eventually he like figured out that they were in Coinbase but for some reason they weren't being reported in his account history in Coinbase but he still had all the all the records from the ACHs and stuff and he 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 emailed coinbase and was like hey you guys uh you lost 50 of my bitcoins like i need them <laughs> please
2: <laughs> have <it> back please
0: <laughs> and uh and they emailed him back and was like uh no we don't we you know we don't see them in your account history like you don't have these 50 bitcoins and he was like no really like i tracked it all here's the achs and everything and he like sent them scanned copies of all his achs And sure enough, like, you know, so sure enough, they were like, oh, actually, it looks like we we did uh, not not give you your 50 bitcoins. And at the time he bought the uh, the bitcoins, it was like right when Silk Road got shut down. So bitcoins dropped from like dropped to like 60 bucks or something. So he bought them for, I think, $10,000 or $10,500, somewhere around there. And he was doing his taxes. It was like middle of January or February or something. So bitcoins were like a thousand bucks a piece, right? So the difference is like ten thousand dollars versus like fifty thousand dollars or sixty thousand dollars or whatever. And they were, and so they were like, you know, we'll 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 refund your ACH. (laughs) And he's like, no, I bought fifty bitcoins. You're you're gonna give me fifty bitcoins that are like the fifty thousand dollars. You're not gonna give me my ten thousand dollar ach back and they're like no we're gonna give you your ten thousand dollar ach and he's like then my attorney is going to sue you (laughs) and uh they and they actually gave him his 50 bitcoins and then he you know he promptly withdrew them out of coinbase because he didn't want them to lose them again uh and and he he's actually a harvard computer science uh graduate and then internet entrepreneur and you know runs his own businesses and stuff. And he's telling me that it was it probably had something to do with their with the database that they use. And uh and so, you know, ever since he's told me that story, I've I've been very uh cautious of Coinbase because who knows like what's going on with their internal database. And from what I understand, they've never released like audited Financial statements, and they've never they've never had an audit performed on all of the bitcoins that they hold, um, or supposedly hold. And man, I mean, we've just seen time after time in this industry uh, abuses of trust from the custodians that hold, you know, customer assets. And so, you know, that's uh, that's that's one of the great promises of Bitcoin is that you can. Uh, you can get a grip on your bitcoins. You know they're either in the blockchain or they're not. And so, you know, I think it's I think it's a very uh, useful exercise to demand delivery for Bitcoin. You know, every now and then. You know, you don't have to do it all the time, but I think it's good to just be like, yeah, just send all the bitcoins to this address right now. And guess what? <laughs> if they don't send the bitcoins, they probably don't have them. <laughs> yeah. What's nice about,
2: uh, I guess, Bitcoin being a money and everyone placing so much value in it is that it puts our custodians and their security practices on front street. I think in the past, with the way every all of our custodians who do everything that's digital have had somewhat lax security practices and and until now they haven't had a reason to really show that their security is top-notch. And because Bitcoin is money, we're forcing people to... Put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. And if we want to trust them, then they have to show us that they're trustable. And that hasn't happened until now. So it's putting a lot of the responsibility on the, on, the, on the people who hold our money. And if they don't like it, we have the ability to hold it ourselves, which hasn't happened in the past.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, it's really exciting because, you know, even the New York Fed. The the Bank of Bangladesh lost like a hundred million dollars, right? And SWIFT just sent out a sent out a communication to everybody that the SWIFT system might have been compromised. And from what I understand, uh, Russia's got like five to six thousand uh, hackers that specifically targeting all the Western financial institutions to go in and basically you know, erase or or just cause mischief in the databases. And I was talking, I was having breakfast once with a senior legal counsel for the Federal Reserve overpayments. And and we were talking about cybersecurity and stuff like that. And he, he was like, yeah, you know, what's really scary is when they hack into your system and they change stuff and then they remove any traces that they were there when they leave. And so you don't even know what your database should be. You don't even know that your database should have 50 Bitcoins for this person, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, you don't even know that that's the state that the that the database should show. And yet, the blockchain, we we know exactly what the quantity and quality of the Bitcoins are in every particular address. It's not like gold, where you have to melt down the bar in order to make sure that you really have gold. I mean, we look at the blockchain, and the Bitcoins are either there or they're not. and yeah. And... And we can demand delivery, and guess what? They should be able to send them in a reasonable time. And if they if they don't, guess what? They probably don't have the Bitcoins. You know, that's the lesson that we've learned from Mt. Gox and that we've learned from countless other exchanges. I mean, it's absurd how many hundreds, literally hundreds of Bitcoin exchanges have failed or otherwise absconded or stolen or embezzled uh, tons of Bitcoins from from people or just lost them because of their sheer incompetence. And there's no margin for error, like you said. Absolutely yeah. no margin for error in this industry. Because once those bitcoins are gone, it's not like I mean, this is a this is an electronic cash system. It's an irrevocable payment once it gets into the blockchain.
2: Yeah, and I'd, I'd like to. I mean, I'd like to continue on this conversation for a long time, but unfortunately, I think we're running out of time. So uh, we have we have one more question for you, and it's uh, usually a pretty short one in 10 words or less, can you describe Bitcoin?
0: Uh, a value transfer internet protocol. <laughs> there oh, we yeah. go. That was, that was four words.
2: And not, and not abstract. <laughs> Who is it? I think our last one was like fucking awesome money or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that <was> our <laughs> magic, last.
0: magic internet money. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, Thank you
3: for stopping by the show, Trace Meyer. Um, definitely a plug for your show, the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. Um, great show. Uh, th- thanks for coming on ours. Hopefully we can come on yours sometime and do it again, like part two of this <laughs> awesome conversation.
0: Yeah, we'll get it done. Thanks so much awesome. for having me. Awesome. Well, uh, have a good evening. You too. All
2: right. Take it easy, Trace.
3: And that was the We're interview. Back. We are back. we back up in this bitch. That was the interview with Trace Meyer uh, from the big... Mayor one. or no, Meyer? Mayor. Is it Mayer or is it Meyer?
2: You said John Meyer.
1: I like Oscar Meyer. Speaking, speaking, of 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 Mayer.
2: speaking of Mayor, have you all ever seen the John Mayer bear? I have not. Yeah. Please inform me. I have. It's John Mayer dresses up in this big bear costume and then trolls around his parking lot of his own concerts and makes fun of himself to his fans. <laughs> so like, like you know, like your body's a London, wonderland, or your body's is a wonderland. It's about a dude. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just, he just trolls his own fucking his own fans, and it's hilarious. Look it up, John Mayer Bear.
3: Bad, yeah.
2: That Wasn't that like ten years ago? Like him. I don't know. Probably that and the double douche. The video, the double douche video, is pretty fantastic. That's a pretty funny. random thing I wanted to say out loud because it's super random. Care. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Did, Did you know Gallagher would smash watermelons on
1: people?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. well, anyways, Trace Mayor, uh, same mayor as Mayor Hawthorne. If you're into smooth R&B. With a little light soul twist. Um, anyways, he runs the Bitcoin Knowledge podcast. Um, very smart guy. Like he, he's he's a a quote unquote Bitcoin and blockchain legend. Because I really
2: enjoyed. You know what I, we don't enjoyed about that interview mm-hmm. is that um, Marcello was patiently waiting to ask a question. And you just kept feeding him with woodliners liners that would just send him off on tangents. And I, I could just picture Marcello's face like, God damn it, D, shut the fuck up. I want to ask this question. And you'd just be like, popcorn. And he'd go off. Uh, on, <laughs> it was a great interview, and I really enjoyed talking to him. I, I hope we get to do it again. But I was just – I think I had to mute the mic at some point and just keep laughing because this I, kept I happening. I couldn't compete oh, like, with, with, their, uh, with their again. synergy. They had chemistry. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. I was trying to keep that conversation
3: rolling. It was going well, I like well.
2: that. I prefer that. And I think listeners do too because it's, it's just a natural conversation. They feel like they're sitting around the living room listening to us
3: talk. Cool. I hope we get some cross-pollination there. I hope some of our listeners go listen to his podcast, which is pretty good. It's like mellow and very informative. And, uh, he has very unique personalities from the community. Uh, a lot of it's financial based. Um, well, not a lot of it, but a good amount of it is. Um, so anyways, enough about the interview. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, look into his website and stuff like that. Uh, we're going to get into some other things that we wanted to discuss. And that is Gemini. The Winkleby seemed to be
0: hitting no. home
3: runs and nobody's talking about it, which I think no. is the best position to be in. Like if you think like professional sports, it's always the person who's performing really well that isn't quite on the radar yet. So then defenses kind of ignore them, and nobody gives them respect, but they're still knocking shit out of the ballpark consistently. And that's the Winklevi.
1: Um, yeah, how come Zuckerberg isn't like creating anything? He's just so so.
2: He content is. There's with a, there's talk about Bitcoin being incorporated into Facebook. Facebook is is monolithic. It's fucking huge. Yeah, Facebook is on another level So One person being in control of what Facebook is to the world is a very difficult thing. Mm -hmm. So he's got his hands full and he's definitely – and what's what's impressive about Facebook is that he's not being left in the dust with new technology. He's definitely trying to adapt it so that he's Mm -hmm. staying in times with what's going to happen in the future.
1: Don't get MySpace'd.
3: They bought oh. Oculus Rift, bro. They're not getting MySpace'd. Uh, that's yet to be a
1: success, though.
2: Dude, well, come on. He's, How he's, bad do he's, you he's, want virtual he's reality? Looking, he's looking into it. It's that's the, the software
1: that's going to make or break it, not the hardware.
2: Welcome to, welcome to software development. That's the case with yeah. all the software. That's the case with almost everything. But
3: I'm just saying, like, that could be... I don't know. Like, we were, we were messing around in the Slack, and the old Black Sauce friend thing just sits there. But virtual reality being affordable and awesome could potentially get me back in, because that's fun. Like, you're actually in it. And if it gets awesome, Facebook Go buy one and come over. On.
1: I got the machine. You got what machine? I got a Steam machine. You can oh, hook a Steam up a, machine? Yeah, you can hook up a, a virtual reality to it. What goggles are you? Just the Oculus Rift? yeah how much is as it? Is it much as a gaming system yes like 300
3: why are you answering questions so <laughs> oh
1: because because you, you think it costs 300 when it's really like 600 that's why it's gonna that's why it has a big challenge uh being a success because it costs so much money
3: oh, fucking dollars
1: yeah do i want my
3: reality that virtual or maybe i just want reality
1: it's cool. I demoed it a couple years ago when I worked at the racetrack. It's cool. Hey, but.
2: you know what's you know what's fucking HD real life, real yeah. life. Yeah. <laughs> what what anyway, did, uh, back Mark, to Jim and I?
3: What did Snog the Hog say in the Slack? He said, uh, "Get a virtual reality of a pirated movie simulator while you watch the movie on a pirate ship or something." What did he say? <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. Anyways. Um, the, the why we brought up the Winklevi. So they got a license to trade Ethereum, um, by New York. Yeah. And what snook right under the radar with that news is that Coinbase and Circle, I believe, are also finishing up their Bit license for New York. Now, Bit license is a shitty thing. We all know it's shitty. It's regulating a thing that doesn't need regulation. But what that does mean is that the big, Big bowlers on Wall Street only like to deal in regulated oceans, and that puts more players of more Bitcoin players in the regulated ocean, which could potentially bring it brings more legitimacy to Bitcoin.
1: I got a theory on that. What's your theory? Um, I I agree with that theory. That's not. I mean, that, that might just be fact. Here's my two cents. Uh, we've known for some time that the current evolution of crypto money would come off just like you said. So phase one, you create it. Phase two, you develop it. And then phase three is that Wall Street phase. Phase four is mass adoption that we all care about. And I think Bitcoin is still stuck between phase two and three. If Mm -hmm. Ethereum trading on Gemini is going to be relevant, it's because it's going to open that door to phase three, which is the Wall Street people, like you just said, or the hundred and fifty trillion derivative monster market that that Blythe masters created either or but Mm -hmm. that's why i am super excited about may 9th and i'm going to start dumping a lot of fiat into ethereum
2: well Well, it's interesting go so you said that regulation is stupid and it's it's it's, we're trying to regulate something that doesn't need regulating Mm -hmm. it's it's somewhat of the opposite is that in order to tie in to the traditional infrastructure of this financial world, you're tying into a world of regulation. Mm-hmm. And so if you want Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies or Ethereum to be a part of that world, then it needs to be regulated. And so what happened is that the bit license allows for these things to enter into that world, so that the companies that operate are comfortable dealing with them. Because it has these monikers and, and, and risk and, and these things that they're comfortable with, right? Yeah. So they'll be like, okay, now that it's received this level of status that I understand and am comfortable with, I'm willing to get into this and start using it. Which is just an, getting your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. It's opening the door and creating more and more on-ramps to a
4: huge
2: market and amount of money and use cases of Bitcoin and Ethereum. And so later on, as time goes on, we'll see what Andreas calls this infrastructure flip of everything's built on Bitcoin and Ethereum. And mm-hmm. these financial industries are, are just creating what they're, what they're comfortable with on top of it. Whereas right now, we're just trying to get our foot in the door.
4: Yeah,
2: And I know. regulation is what's enabling the United States and these markets to do it. Whereas Bitcoin's still going to operate outside of this realm for whatever it wants to do, absolutely. But in order to do this, it needs these steps to do it.
3: Yeah, it's it, the thing that I, I get excited about Ethereum and one, which was interesting that I brought it up. I'm like Nostradamus sometimes. You remember the last episode when I said it'd be cool if there were a Bit Ether token, kind of like there's a Petrodollar, yeah, that you can trade around. Well, with BTC relay that came out, you can make a bit ether token if you want to. That is some sort of however, I think it would emulate how the petrodollar works
2: that you they've can trade built, around. They've built a Bitcoin client on the Ethereum network. So Ethereum can verify Bitcoin transactions. So that's all it is. It's, that's not all it is. It's, it's a, that's a huge thing. I mean, I, if I got that correctly. <laughs> Did you just
3: infomercial me? Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's not all, D. <laughs> That's too much to talk about. What else does it do? It's, it allows Bitcoin to work on the Ethereum network. It's, it's, it's the cross-link that we need. Where's Tony and at? That's, that's the one. Yeah, I don't know. Tony's, yeah, to Tony's, Tony's been busy with here. Augur and all kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, this, lead, well, this is going to
1: lead to more Augur support because, like you say, it's built on top of Ethereum. So it's going to lend capability. Where's he at? You're
2: right. And this is the exact same thing that, that uh, Joseph Lublin talked about with, you know, we can peg Bitcoin to Ethereum. But we're not yet able to peg Ethereum to Bitcoin because Bitcoin doesn't have the smart contracts available to it yet. Rootstock is going to change. That's them. exactly what Bitre- uh, Bit Relay is doing.
3: Huh. This is fun stuff. I'm really happy about what I've invested so much of my life in for the past three years. No so. shit, man.
2: And it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's as much as this saying gets old and stereotypical, the rabbit hole just keeps going further and further down. And it's not going to get any easier. It's only going to get wider and broader and deeper and more complex and more interesting. So, like, you can, it's like, it's, this is essentially, I, this is the way I kind of see it is back in the day with, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, uh, Newton, like a lot of the younger Excuse giants me. in, in oh, the sciences. Science and, you know, what we think about when we think about the great, the shoulders that scientists stand upon now the shoulders of giants that we stand upon now, there wasn't a lot of science back then. So you could be a physicist, a chemist, a mathematician, you know, an artist, all these things together all at once and have a good grasp of all of them all together. Whereas now, because we've grown so much, you can't be, you have Mm -hmm. to be specialized. You get a PhD, you're specialized into one small area and you have somewhat of a grasp on the general idea of your field. And then something, really esoteric you understand really 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 well well right now bitcoin is at a point where you can kind of get the gist of the entire thing you could be a specialist in the entire entirety of bitcoin whereas or cryptocurrencies in general whereas in the next 10 years that's not going to be possible because cryptocurrencies will be too big you're not going to have enough time or brain power to be able to understand and comprehend the entirety of what cryptocurrencies are Oh, so you're saying there will be like a DAO specialist, a
3: blockchain specialist, a blockchain—I was thinking about the blockchain forensic forensic scientist, things like that. Just very specific yeah, you're, you're, and detailed,
2: even more more specialized than that. I mean, they can—you can spend your life specializing in one small aspect of one part of the cryptocurrency community. Like mm. your like your PhD is just on the new cryptographic. Hashing that happens with power, proof of stake, proof of work, whatever we're doing at that point in the future. Hmm. And that's going to be it. You won't understand anything else. And so you market yourself that way. Whereas now you can kind of get an idea of the entirety of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. That's not going to be possible in the future.
3: Interesting. It's, It's definitely opening up. This feels like a
2: great year for digital currency as a whole. That's an easier oh, way, an easier way to think about that is you used to be able to understand the internet and be a, a specialist in the internet or a web developer, right? Yeah. Now when you market yourself in a, as a job, you either you you market yourself as a specialist at a certain point in web development. Oh, yeah, like a UI. Your front end. Your 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 you know you're, you're server side. You're dealing with UI, UX. You're dealing with you know all these different types of things that you can specialize and market yourself as. You're a graphic designer. All these different things. Whereas you can't say, I make web pages and I do all of it because that doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> I do the whole damn thing. Full there are stack, few people, baby. There are a few people that can do it, but... They're probably not incredible specialists. And if they are, there's only a very few amount of them. Well, I like
3: I like what you're saying. And I'm glad that we're on the forefront of it because it, it allows us to establish. And hopefully, I love how the community is reacting to us here at the show. I mean, we had a great week last week. We hope we can keep it on and become somewhat of, like a trustworthy source for you guys to come to for entertainment and news. But we got... Uh, I want to talk about that Chicago Mercantile Exchange news as well. Did you did you guys read about that at all? No. Like it just slid nope. under the radar that it's basically like Chicago's version of the New York Stock Exchange, but they're going to start listing a Bitcoin index on oh, their exchange that. as well. So, Bitcoin is becoming more and more it's becoming a more and more comfortable for you to walk up to like a family member or somebody that you're you know you can say hey you know if if the conversation ever goes to you know do you invest or something you could say yes i invest in bitcoin it's legitimate as fuck it's i invest in it it's a thing it's i like the touts of legitimacy that bitcoin and digital currency are getting in the news it's great it's great news to us you talk to the normal person about it and they're just like
4: what
2: What I really enjoy is that everyone that I like that knows that I follow Bitcoin is like contacted me, like, have you heard about this? It's like, what do you mean, have I heard about this? Fuck you, man. I've been telling you (laughs) about this for years now.
3: What the fuck do you mean? Oh, did you like the, uh, I tried to get you involved with the DAO talk when it was just melting people? They were like, you you posted a thing on the DAO and. And distributed autonomous organizations. And like the first comment that I got after I shared it was, What is this? You know, no, I don't I don't want any part of this. As to where the your friends commented and are like, I want in. I want <laughs> in on it. I had to reflect on myself a little bit. But anywho, um there's been a lot of news this week. Um if you haven't been tuned in, get tuned in to both the show. And the community to see what's going on. There's a lot more going on than just Craig Wright and the co- being the Cobra Commander. So, yeah. Did we forget anything? Nah, we out you. We're out there. So I think it's that time to do the plugs. Uh, Are we doing our drunk episode soon?
1: Uh, we can. I want to get a little buterin up in here.
2: A little B. Little buterin. We can't say. Little we even b- have like Twitter feedback on other people wanting. Lil Buterin
3: in here too, as well. That's right. Ghost of Shitoshi. I don't know who you are, but shout out to you. No, um, like, like do- I got double-digit
1: retweets on that.
3: I think that would be a good idea. Lil Buterin, we're hollering at you. We need to get you on the show. Uh, everybody, if you know Lil Buterin, send him a tweet. We're trying to get him on the show for our drunken episode. We haven't done our fourth one yet, and we need to. Uh, have we done our fourth one? Yeah, I'm we sure haven't done we our fifth one. We're on our fifth drunken episode. Anywho, uh, let's do some plugs. The Bitcoin Podcast dot com is our website. We get compliments on it and those compliments all get directly siphoned to cello. So shout out to yep. cello. Um, at the BTC BTC podcast. That's our Twitter that cello also runs. It does an amazing job. Um Thanks. Our Facebook page that Cello also runs and doesn't no, know. No, we do that. <laughs>
4: um,
3: the Facebook, um, you can message us on Facebook now. One of our listeners has taken advantage, it's pretty cool. Um, he let us know, oh, yeah, he let us know that if you are buying Dow tokens, you need to be careful, uh, and really meticulous with how you do things because I think he there was some sort of error and he believed he had lost all of his ether, but he didn't, and he let us know, so he let me know on Facebook to let you guys, the listeners, know that if you are going to get involved in that, the Dow crowd sell, um you need to be very careful and follow those steps extensively, and, and hit up Dr. Petty here, because he did it for us, and he knows what he's doing.
2: I walk through. I'd recommend using the DAO Hub instructions, the wizard, and using the MyEther Wallet that they set up with you on the page. And then once you have your tokens through that wallet, you can move it wherever you want. Yeah. And until there's more platforms to do this on, unless you already have the Mist Wallet set up, which is the official Ethereum wallet, just use DAOHub.org and how they have it set up for you. It's it couldn't be any easier. And, you know, I'm I'm a
3: good owner of a good amount of DAO tokens now all. And I can attribute that all to
1: Dr. Petty here who hooked it up for me. So um, Uh, email us at the Bitcoin podcast at gmail.com if you want to be invited to our Slack. Yep. I think we can set that up so it auto invites. Well, We'll I don't
2: want to auto invite. yet. I'll set it up.
3: Oh, you don't want to auto invite yet? Not yet. You want to vet before we auto invite?
1: Yeah. If you're interested, just send us, send us a message. Our Slack is never going to be two, 3000 members deep. It's just kind of
3: for whoa, our whoa. fans. <laughs> Let's not sell ourselves
1: short. It's just going to be, you know, for our fans to kind of interact with us and just have a good time. Yeah. Um,
4: or our and sponsors, then,
1: or our sponsors. um, yeah. if you play RuneScape and soccer, yeah. join up, uh, yeah. next week, uh, I got Frank Schul on. And uh, he is the CEO of Safe Fellow, and he's going to revolutionize the financial market, like everyone says they are going to do. Maybe he'll actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get him on and talk to him about that. Is it like at this point in time, are we the
3: guy that's interviewing the professional wrestler? Like I'm going to go into that ring and I'm gonna and I'm going to be the world champion. Oh yeah and they're like the the last guy said that one of you has to lose yeah yeah
1: <laughs> i'm the mean gene of podcast uh interviewers that reference is very obscure you might need to provide a little clarity
2: no <laughs> are <Yeah>. uh, <we're, laughs> the, the number one
1: announcer of all time so if you watch wrestling you know who he is okay
4: <laughs> oh
1: hey well, gallagher uh, smashes watermelons guys we got to go <laughs> all right um there's nothing
3: else. Facebook, you know where to find this. Uh, play
4: the outro.